Welcome to Preach the Word Podcast. My name is Ashton McDonald, and I am your host. I have a very special episode today with a sermon that was brought to us by Reverend Ronnie Wheeler, February 24th, 2021. Scripture reading is from 1 John chapter 1, and the sermon is entitled, An Experience. If any of the listeners know Brother Ronnie and Sister Mary Beth Wheeler, you know that it is definitely an experience to witness their stories and humor of their lives as missionary evangelists. I would like to say thank you to Brother Ronnie. When they were able to come by and spend some time with us in February, we were in the middle of remodeling some rooms in the rear of our church. And Brother Ronnie jumped right in beside my dad and I and worked some late nights and some early mornings and grabbed a paintbrush and helped paint and kept the job site clean. And I want to say thank you to Brother Ronnie. He has been a a means of encouragement to us and the fellowship and the friendship that he showed the time that he was here. It was greatly appreciated. And I know that he'll be an encouragement to you today as he shares about their missionary evangelism work and also other experiences that he's had along life journey. Thank you for listening. Missionary evangelist, we go mostly to Honduras. I've been down there 15 times. Been to Rolacon Island, Honduras, nine times. Been to the Mosquitia, the jungle, one time. Been to Guatemala once. Been to Mexico. It's been a long time. I've been there a few times. Back on the mission table, there are just pictures there. There's some albums. Uh, some of the things we've done, I've worked very close with Christ Cares World Ministries, the Summoners. You probably know Alan, Scott, Brother Jake. Yeah. And uh, that's what got me started down there. But anyway, they got up a thing. They went into the Mosquitia to preach to the Mosquito Indians. And it's kind of hard there because you preach in English. Brother Scott interprets in Spanish. And then another man interprets that into Mosquito. <laughs> And there was an old man there that wanted to know, could you bring us shoes? A lot of the people in the jungle never had a pair of shoes. Mm. So they got to tell them that around. Next thing you know, folks is handing them money, say, buy shoes. And so we get down there and helped them load up 1,398 brand new pair of like Crocs. And uh, the military flew us into the, the Mosquitia on a cargo plane, landed on a dirt runway. And I was telling some of the men before church, when we got off their airplane, there was junk, radiators, junk, bumpers, stuff everywhere. And they had a helicopter waiting on us that should have been in a junkyard or a museum 20 years ago. <laughs> I've never been on a helicopter. And I am, I am terribly afraid of heights. I've been up in the sun, there's a little old flying coffin one time. And uh, we had to turn around and come back. And the very next trip out, that thing blew a cylinder or something up over the mosquito. But anyway, they got us on that helicopter and it started raining, of course. And we got out in the jungle. People could hear that chopper coming. They were coming out of everywhere. And uh, had a meeting place. We got there and we gave them the gospel, sang a few songs. Brother Scott does, uh, has a, uh, we call ventriloquist dummy. And he did that a little bit, and then we started uh, sizing kids for shoes. A lot of churches practice foot washing. I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to that, but uh, y'all kind of cheat when you do foot washing, don't you? You wash your feet, come to church. Come on, I got you. Yeah. Uh, we sat down on the bench like that, uh, Brother Mike Max and I, Alan Scott, 
others and little old uh, mosquito Indians come up and put that dirty foot right up on top of your knee. Yeah. And then you dig through until you found a pair of shoes that fit. And I mean, some of them kids cross your eyes nearly, but it's, it's better than foot washing. Yeah. Way better. And uh, some of those kids got pictures back there, got the shoes on the wrong feet. And some of those kids left there carrying their shoes. They didn't want to get them dirty. I'm not sure what they were saving them for. They saving them for a special occasion. And might just throw this in. This ain't worth anything, really. But uh, we ran out of boys' shoes. You know, Crocs are just Crocs. But they want a boy in that jungle would wear a pair of pink shoes, not a boy. <laughs> Some of them boys hooked up and got mad, you know, because we didn't have shoes for them. And they'd take a pair of five or six sizes too big. Didn't matter to them. They were shoes. Anyway, you go through our photo albums, and we got a lot of that back there. Get you one of these if you don't have one. This is a Bible reading record. And it's got all the books of the Bible and all the chapters. And you, so you can read in uh, Joshua today and, and uh, Ephesians tomorrow, skip around. Every time you read a chapter, check it off. If you read three chapters a day, Monday through Saturday, five chapters on Sunday, you read the Bible for a year. Right. So you young folks, get all your space aliens killed. <laughs> get your Bible out. It won't, you ain't going to waste but just a few minutes. Waste. Read the Bible. All right. few minutes a day. Get the Bible read. Amen. There are some CDs back there. Those are not spiritual. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> We've had folks pass by our table say, we didn't know Brother Ronnie to sing. Brother Ronnie don't sing. Brother Ronnie can't sing. Brother Ronnie can't learn how to sing. If I just start singing right now, you'd think the tribulation had started. <laughs> but uh, for years, people have told me, you need to make a CD. And so finally, I said something about it to Brother David Webb, way up in Hodgeville, Kentucky. And he said, well, why don't you? I said, well, I can't just make a CD to an empty building. You've got to have interaction, you know, got to be able to see people. And he said, why don't you do it here? So we had a youth rally. <laughs> he put up flyers and called everybody. And we had a full house. And that's an hour and 20 minutes of live uh, <laughs> entertainment, comedy, whatever you're going to call it. And I'll introduce you up there to my lifelong friend, Rupert Philpott, and his girlfriend, Bertha Broadwater. Now, Bertha Broadwater, I need to tell you just a little bit about her. Bertha Broadwater looked like a cement mixer in a dress. She was a big old heifer. When she come into Miss Axelrod's fifth grade class and sat down, no matter where you sat, you sitting by her. <laughs> And I was looking at her one day, we was in about fifth grade, you know, what, how old are you? Fifth grade, how old are you? I guess I was probably 15. Anyway, I was looking over her, and I was kind of, I'll just have to admit, I, they, there's one thing I really admired about her, and that was her eyes, especially the green one. And I was looking at her, and, and we had the bell rung, and we got out for recess, and I said, Bertha, I, I need to talk to you. I said, you might have seen me. She, she kind of looked at me and said, uh, yeah, I saw you looking at me, and I said, you know, one of these days we're going to get grown. I'm going to turn 16. I'm, I'm going to get me a car and a driver's license. She went, yeah. And I said, then I'm going to get me about 18, 20. You know what I'm going to do? No. What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to grow me a pair of sideburns and a mustache just like you got. <laughs> and so I'll introduce you to her on there and uh, just stuff that's happened that it is professionally recorded. <laughs> The same fellow recording me records uh, 
well, Aaron Wilburn, and I don't know who all. He does a lot of big names out there. I'm not a big name. I'm just a big fool. But anyway, those are for suggested donation, $15. Everything goes back into our ministry. And if you're here, if you're an adult, and if you don't have any money, you're welcome to a CD. And the reason I say adult, I was preaching a meeting somewhere, and a pastor's boy, about five, come up. He said, I need one for me. I need one for my brother that's seven, and I need one for my little sister that's going to be born next month. So if you're an adult, uh, you help yourself. There's coffee back there. We have a little more, and I smuggled that coffee into the States myself. Uh, that is Café del Indio, Coffee of the Indian. And uh, those little packets will make 12 cups. And if you can't drink it, you can seal your driveway with it. <laughs> it's potent. It's not raspy. I don't people drink it. So I can't believe that's that strong. I mean, you drink it, your retinas start rattling in your head. But uh, that's for just a donation. Like I said, we've got a little bit more of it. Every time I go, I bring back about 50 bags of that. And I didn't get to go to Honduras at all. Didn't get to go nowhere as far as mission trips except Arkansas. Last year, all year. And, uh, you know, COVID, the scandemic, we couldn't go nowhere. And then I could have went to Honduras, but you had quarantine for three weeks. That's about all I staged, three weeks. I'd go down there and get out of quarantine, come home. So I'm hoping this year maybe possibly get to go in May. And it's all going to depend. They're already talking like you have to have a passport and a COVID passport. To get a COVID passport, you have to have vaccination. And I'm just a little leery of that. Uh, there's people that have took both of those and then got sick. There's doctors took and died. But anyway, uh, they're tightening the noose. The world is tightening the noose around the church. That's and right. Walmart right. is essential. Beer joints are essential, but church is not essential. Shut them down. So you just ask the Lord to help us. Anyway, all that back there is uh, tell you a little bit <clears throat> about our ministry there. All right, First John, the epistle of 1 John. Chapter 1, verse 1. What do I need to do here? I don't need to do nothing. You got it. All right, there we go. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, down through verse 4. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, of the word of life. He's talking about his experience with Jesus Christ. We saw him. We heard him. We were there. Verse 2. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father. Was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is uh, with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Amen. I want to preach for just a little bit tonight on just what I'm going to call an experience. Uh -huh. An experience. There's things that I have experienced. There's things I don't want to ex experience. Now, I don't want you to think that I waste mission money. I am old enough to get that big social security check. So when we go to Honduras for the first uh, <clears throat> seven or eight trips down there, Excuse me, there's nothing to do. You're going for a mission trip or you're not going. There's no sightseeing. There's nothing to do. But after seven or eight times down there, we discovered that there is a holiness church on Roton Island that nobody knew about. 
And there's a black pastor there named Brother Ali. His daddy was a boxing fan, named him after Muhammad Ali. And uh, he runs about 150. I preach nine revivals there. Next year, next time I come, he wants three night holiness convention. Nothing but standards. I will have a good time doing that. Yeah. But anyway, we got to, to go over there. And uh, we've had youth camp there. I've preached a little bit of that. We've had revivals there. But I am, uh, from days gone by, I am a, an advanced certified scuba diver. And they got some of the best scuba diving on the planet. They've got the second biggest coral reef in the world, next only to the uh, Great Barrier Reef around uh, Australia. So I walk in dive shops and just one right next to the other all around that island. And I walk in, and they all have the same schedule. They'll go somewhere at 9 and 11 and 2 and so on and so forth. And you go in and say, where are y'all going in the morning at 9? We're going to El Aguila. That is the eagle. It's a sunken ship. It's 110 feet deep. And so uh, you'll have to show them your card if you haven't already. And show them that. Lay down $30. And for 30 bucks, they'll outfit me from head to toe with all the equipment that I need. Put me on a boat with a captain and send a guide with me to go with me for 30 bucks. So uh, I'm wasting my social security money. Okay, my kids ain't going to have near the inheritance they would have had if I had become a scuba diver. <laughs> but I go down there. You get off that boat. You step off that boat. And you go around and, and just a little bit lay your face over in the water. And you, you're wearing a vest called a BC, buoyancy control. You pull that thing up here, hit the button, let the air out of it, and you just start descending. Every time you inhale, you'll stop descending and just hang there, exhale. In a little bit, you're 110 foot deep. And the water's clear at 110 feet. I can look up and see the boat up above me. There's a great big, probably six or seven foot green eel that lives in that boat. You can go in here, come out over there, and uh, that eel, they'll tell you, take all the pictures you want, but don't get in his face. He's kind of offensive when you get in his face. He will make trot line bait out of you in a hurry. So you take pictures of him, videos, and then you go from there and go up what's called the wall. And from 110 feet to uh, about 40 feet, there, there's what? What would that be? 70, 80 feet there of what they call the wall. It's just all coral. You can go up that real slow, and there will be all kinds of critters, creatures. I'm talking scary stuff. They stuff down there that looks like a cross between Nancy Pelosi and a pit bull. And they'll stick their head out there and look at you and make faces at you. And when you get up there about where the water's only about 40 foot deep, they've got tunnels. And that's some of my favorite part, underwater tunnels. Anybody here like to? Y'all awful quiet. Hey, man, you just get down on your belly and look at this hole. And if you can see light down there, just bail off in there. You'll come out down there. When you get down there, you go this way or that way. And it's a lot of fun. And I've seen sea turtles galore. I've seen one shark. I tried to take a picture of it, and I guess I scared it. I mean, it seen me out there. I, it was here, and I'm here. We just did this until I finally got tired of chasing it. If you want to really see sharks, on Friday, it costs a lot more. It's 100 bucks. But you can go down, and they'll have a feeding frenzy. They dump a five-gallon bucket of guts in the water. And there will be uh, great white sharks, nine, ten feet long within, as close as I am to Brother Shad. No cage, no protection. That's why it's $100 if you know, you're going to pay for that insurance. <laughs> now, I could go on all day about that 
and uh, places I've dived, Murmur Springs, Illinois, and uh, just North Fork Lake. I can't remember if I ever took you. I've took a lot Not of preachers diving. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I can tell you, and you sit out there and say, man, that's got to be a lot of fun. Or you're sitting there saying, man, that's got to be scary. Or you're thinking, that, that guy's nuts. I mean, he looks crazy. He is crazy to do stuff like that. And I could go on all night long giving you the report of an experience and you never got wet. I'm the one that went down in the water. I'm the one that saw the boat. I'm the one that, that touched the sea turtle and all that kind of stuff. And that's what John is doing here in these verses that I read to you tonight. He's telling them, we saw him. We handled him. Yes. We were there. John laid his head on his breast and, and they broke bread with him. They were there when he uh, fed the five thousands and raised the dead and all that. And John is no doubt as he's writing this, his mind is going back. He's reminiscing thinking, what a great experience we had. Amen. Yes. But now all through the Bible, there are men that had experiences that others didn't have. All right. Job said, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. Uh -huh. I have heard of thee. Just like I'm telling you about Roatan Island. You're hearing it, but you ain't been there. Sheba heard the fame of Solomon. Heard about the wisdom of Solomon. And then she just heard it in a far country. Somebody came and said, we just came from Jerusalem. You ought to see that people worship over there. You ought to see how rich that guy is. You ought to watch him hold court. And she just heard all that until she thought, I've got to have that for myself. Acts 2 and 6. Now when this was noised abroad on the day of Pentecost, there were people that carried the experience around telling everybody about it. The Bible's full of it. Amen. John 1 and 14, Andrew says to Simon, we have found the Messiah. John 1 and 45, Philip findeth Nathaniel, and he tells him about it. 1 Samuel 3 and 11, God says, I'm going to do a work that everybody that hears it, their ears are going to tingle. Right. But all they're doing is hearing about it. That's the report of the experience. Isaiah said, who hath believed our report? I mean, I can stand up here tonight and tell you that on February the 2nd, 1975, just a long-haired California dope-smoking hippie, I heard the gospel, amen, Assembly of God Church, old renegade, Assembly of God preacher, and I came crying to the altar, and I prayed, and I cried, and I can take the devil and rub his nose right in the very spot where Jesus Christ saved my soul. I heard about it, but I got it. So there is the report of the experience, but behind the report, there is the reality of the experience. Right. Back to Job again. Job said, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. In other words, I got the report, and I'm finding out there is a reality behind the report. Sheba came to see if everything she'd heard was true. And the Bible said there was no more spirit in her. I mean, I could just see her. She sat down, started painting herself, and said the half wasn't even told me. I heard the report, but there's reality here. Right. John 1 and 42. And then uh, Andrew tells Simon, we, have, we found him. Yes, we found him. But then Simon comes to Christ for himself. And Jesus Christ renames him. 
you're going to be called Cephas from now on. Yes. Amen. Everybody heard about Christ, but now they're bringing people to Christ. Uh, John 1 49, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. In the book of Acts, we have a man named Simon. The Bible said he believed and was baptized, but uh, I find a problem there. I believe he believed with his mind and not with his heart. Because whenever the, the other the apostles came and they started having a Holy Ghost revival, Simon offered them money. I'd like to have this authority and this power that I could lay hands on people and they get the Holy Ghost. And Peter told him, your heart is not right with God. I mean, he had believed with his mind, but not with his heart. He never really had a good experience. And I find that people even in the holiness movement that have got uh, in a similar situation, and if they can tell it, they can quote it, they can tell everybody else's experience, but they never really got it for themselves. All right. That's a sad thing for any denomination. I guess we're not really a denomination, but it's really bad when it comes to us. Hey Amen. We've got young folks that are coming up that don't have it. They don't have it. When they're asked at school, why do you do this? Well, Pastor said so. That's why. How come you don't do that? Well, Pastor said not to. Or my folks don't. Or my folks don't believe in what they need is an experience. And I pastored a guy in Georgia. I don't know if you remember him. His name was Jack. And he was literally Jack Spratt. Could eat no fat. He looked anorexic. I mean, Jack looked like if he got sucking on a milkshake straw and had a back graft, he'd just suck him down in there. Skinny as he could possibly be. And Jack was a Methodist Sunday school superintendent. <clears throat> and he married a girl out of our church, been back to Well, when I took the church, they started coming to church. And Jack would get in Sunday school, and uh, brother, you know, a little bit, he'd just start shaking his head. He couldn't hardly believe what he's hearing. And uh, he kind of wanted to argue about stuff. I just don't see anything wrong with that, and I could never live like that. And y'all live like that if you want to. I just couldn't live like that. I tell people all the time, if you can't hardly live it, it is because you ain't hardly got it. Amen. There's all kinds of things about the Bible that you and I do not have power to do under our own strength, but there is an experience called salvation. There is an experience called deliverance, sanctification, Holy Ghost baptism that will make you do things you thought you could not do. You're preaching good. Old Jack, man, he said, I, I could never quit smoking. I, don't know. I, just, I mean, it didn't matter what you brought up. He just couldn't do it. So we started revival. Jack had been coming two or three years by now, just, you know, sporadically on Sunday morning. And I'm telling you, we had a Holy Ghost breakdown every night. As uh, a matter of fact, the revival itself, the meeting only lasted a week and a half. But for six Sundays in a row, we had our Sunday morning a service from about 10 in the morning till 2 and 3 in the afternoon. And somebody got the baptism of the Holy Ghost on Sunday morning, six Sundays in a row. Well, what night the evangelists come around to meet? I mean, it's a wild altar service. He said, a guy over there sticks to get the Holy Ghost. I said, a guy over there sticks to get saved. He, he ain't going to get the Holy Ghost, not him. He said, get over and listen to it. He's repenting. Now, I don't go around listening to folks pray. But I got around there behind Jack. And I'm telling you, he had his hands in the air. 
He's begging God to forgive him. He was telling God he was sorry. And God, I'll never do it again. Little bit, he reached in his shirt pocket, laid his cigarettes on the altar, and just kept on. He was really repenting. And a little bit, Jack went over on his back. And I'm telling you, Jack Spratt was speaking in other tongues, just like on the day of Pentecost. Jack got an experience. Hey man, we come to church the next night of revival. His wife stood up and testified and said, Y'all, when I come home from work today, there's a television in the yard. My britches was hanging in trees and on fence posts and, and said, Jack had cleaned the place out. And I thought, well, Jack can't live it. Jack can't live like that. But what Jack needed was an experience. Amen. Jack didn't just need to hear about it. Jack didn't just need to read about it. He needed to get it for himself. And so behind the report, there is a reality. That's so good, brother. Amen. Once again, if you can't hardly live it, it's because you ain't hardly got it. Not trying to be critical, but one of my things, I didn't have a lot of religious training as a boy. I knew that if I ever got saved, I'd have to quit drinking, smoking dope. You know, I, that's about it. I didn't know any fine tuning. <laughs> but, uh, as a matter of fact, people, preacher, come back, talk, you need to come get saved. I can't live like that. I had such a temper. I do not have a high school diploma tonight because I got so many fights in high school and stayed in trouble so often. I mean, them cops get me, take me downtown or down to Reseda or in the Los Angeles area and threaten me with juvenile hall. You're going to juvenile hall, boy. We've had all you were going to put up with. And so I wound up without a high school diploma. Hey, man, but uh, there came a day when I found out this can be lit. When I got saved, I was taking nine hits of speed at a time, not in a day, nine hits in my hand and mouth and Jack Daniels to wash it down with. And then when I did go to church, if things got uncomfortable in there, I'd go out on the front porch and smoke a joint. Well, they's in there having church. I mean, that's just the kind of, of a sinner that I was. And I mean, I can't quit it. I can't stop this. I sniffed glue. I did cocaine. I mean, you name it. Mess clean. I, anything near about that I get my hands on, I do that. I was a wretched sinner. And I was headed the same route as my paternal grandfather, who was a skid row bum, slept under bridges in Los Angeles, slept on park benches. Hey, man, just was worthless. I was headed the same way. But every, when that preacher got done preaching that night and said, is anybody here wants to be saved? I decided, hey, I want to be saved. I'm sick of this kind of lifestyle. I don't want to go to hell. And I raised my hand. I came down to the altar. They had to coach me just a little bit. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to do. And I got down there. I put my face on the altar with long hair. Hit my, my head, my face there. And I remember when the burden rolled away. I got a sin-killing experience. And you can live this. I've been safe for weeks. One day I went. I ain't had a joint. I ain't took any speed. How many weeks has it been? I couldn't remember. Five or six weeks. I hadn't even thought about it. I was coming to town one day. I had the cutest little old marijuana pipe you've ever seen in your life. My brother gave it to me for Christmas. And I pulled that thing out of there. I'm telling y'all. I've got my Grandpa Wheeler's original parole papers. <laughs> Governor W. Lee O'Daniel, Governor of Texas, signed his parole. I know you've got your Grandpa's Bible or his old shotgun. i got my Grandpa's parole papers. <laughs> <laughs> I started the town. 
I pulled that marijuana pipe out and looked at it had a, a place, a chamber where I could make my own hash. I'm talking over your head and I'm glad of it. And I thought, now, if I don't make it, I'm going to have a hard time finding another one of these as cute as it. I put it back. And a little bit of took it out again. And I didn't know about Elisha killing the oxen and burning the plow. Nothing to go back to. But I screwed the bowl off of that pipe and threw it out the window. I drove a few miles and screwed that chamber off, threw it out the window. I drew the drove drift, drew, traveled a few more miles, drove the stem out the window. And that way the devil can't tell me it's back there somewhere. Amen. I've got a sin experience. Now, my my father-in-law's mother, Grandma Barnett, been dead for the Lord 25 years or so, was nearly a hundred when she died. Her maiden name was Pentecost. Her dad was a Baptist preacher. Her grandpa was a Baptist preacher. Can you imagine the confusion when you drove up to the Free Will Baptist Church? Free Will Baptist Church, Reverend Pentecost. Charles Barnett's dad said, Georgie, as Pentecost had come into the area and people were hearing it, they were getting the report. And Charles Barnett's dad, Walter Pinkland Barnett, said, Georgie, if you get the Holy Ghost, I'll kill myself. And so Grandma Barnett didn't really know what it was. She just heard the report. She's out in Apple Orchard one day, and the Lord spoke to her and said, you'll get the blessing tonight. She didn't know what that meant. So she went to a little cottage prayer meeting. Grandma Barnett had 13 kids. And uh, so she always had a baby. And she sat down you know, like this on a bed in this, I guess, one room, maybe a long table, I don't remember it anyway, laid a baby across her lap and was praying. They just took prayer requests like we did here tonight and everybody start praying. She had that baby laid across here and Aunt Ina, and I can't remember which other sisters uh, was outside looking in the window, watching them pray. Grandma Barnett had that baby laid across there and she had her hands up and was praying, seeking God. And she saw a vision. And she saw Jesus Christ coming down, had his arms open. And he was saying, come unto me, come unto me. And Grandma Barnett raised her hands up and started saying, come unto me, come unto me, just like he was saying. And the next thing she knew, she was saying something she'd never heard and did not understand. I mean, these were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the witnesses there, these chill, her children, and the men that was in that place standing around the wall while was having prayer meeting, said that with her legs right out like that and a baby on her lap, Grandma Barnett raised up off the bed floated over here to this wall, speaking in tongues, floated down to there, over to there, back up that wall, and right back on that bed. She never knew she left the bed. She floated around that entire room. And then she'd heard the report, but there is a reality behind the report. And the Lord told her, you'll get the blessing tonight. And then Grandma Barnett, whenever her husband, uh, both of her husbands had died, and then she had all them kids to raise, and it was during the Depression. Amen. Thanks were bad, but Grandma would go out in the apple orchard or get down there in that old outhouse and go to seeking God. And my father-in-law said, you can always tell when Mom prayed through and groceries were on the way. Said, sound like that outhouse is full of woodpeckers. Grandma Barnett get to shout and dance around in there and a little bit the door bust open like Superman coming out of a phone booth and here she come up the aisle shouting and speaking in tongues and we knew groceries was coming. There is a reality. Brother, that's Amen. I like 
to ask you tonight. Have you got an experience? Or have you just heard about it? Brother Shad has an experience. He's your pastor. And you can't go off his. John said we're writing to you that your joy may be full. All right. We saw him. We heard him. But you can see him and hear him too. Amen. You can have a full experience. I don't have time to cover all this. And so there is the report of the experience. There is the reality. And there is what I call a radical experience. All right. Amen. David said, my cup runneth over. Yes. Salvation ought to be a life-changing experience. I'm going to have to say I've seen people even in my revivals that came to the altar and when they got up they looked disappointed. They needed to stay in there until they got a hold of God and God got a hold of them. Like the old timer in Kentucky said, we're picking them too green from the altar. They need to stay there until they get a radical experience. And then people say, I don't want to be a fanatic. What do you want to be? Hey, what do you want to be? I want to believe, be amen, one of those that's on fire for God. I want to believe in God, trust in God, nothing but God. And you can call it radical. You can call it fanatic. Whatever you will, let me have it. Yes. Yes. We had a preacher years ago come around and he got this experience. Some of these people come around and say, we understand you've went off the deep end. He said, I ain't went yet, but if I do, just let me drown. Amen. I want a good experience. I want one that will change me. Amen. Amen. 1 John 2 and 20 says, Ye have an unction from the Holy One. Yeah. Amen. 1 John 2 and 28, We have confidence before uh, Him at His coming. Now I'm going to tell you something that I, I don't recommend this, but it happened. I don't know if you've ever read a book called Platform Echoes by John B. Goff. Yes, sir. 1880, one of the yeah. greatest books I ever read. I've read the things that thick. I read it three, three or four times. Right. And he tells a story in there of a town drunk that would come to a temperance meeting mm -hmm. and get all stirred up, sign the pledge. And before the night was over, he'd be drunk again. He'd fire up another uh, a temperance meeting somewhere. He'd sign the pledge. And finally, John B. Goff came to town and who had also been a drunkard himself, lay in the gutter, woke up in his own vomit, woke up in jail time and time again. And John B. Goff said, it's not enough to just sign this because if you had it like I had it, you don't have what it takes to quit it and give it up. You've got to have an experience. Yeah. This fellow came up there with trembling hands and signed the pledge again. Yeah. He went out that night, found one of his buddies and bought a gallon of jug of moonshine. Again, I'm not recommending this. And he got the canoe and, and pushed across, I believe, over to a little island on the Ohio River. And he got over there, pushed the canoe out into the a current, just let it go wherever it was. He took that whiskey jug, pulled the cork out of it, got a good whiff of it, smelled of it, and stirred that demon up in him. And he set it down on the stump. And he began to cry and holler, call on God. And every little bit, he'd go over and he'd pull that stopper out and smell of it. That, that thing would stir up inside him again. He'd go to pray, and they said all night long, people.
people on the shore could hear him over there wailing and crying and screaming. And they said when he got done the next day, he wore the grass off like a dog with a chain around a stake. He wore all the grass off. Amen. He was covered in sweat and dirt. But about the time the sun come up, he went over there, got that jug, pulled the cork out, got a good whiff of it, and a big smile come across his face. He had got the experience. Raised that jug up over his head, smashed it on the stuff, and was a free man. Again, I'm not recommending that, but what he was lacking all those other times that he signed the pledge, he needed an experience. All right. A radical. Brother Shad, I'm not bragging or complaining that I put my entire life into this. Yes, you have. I got saved right before I turned 18. I started preaching later that year, November the 2nd this year. It'll be 46 years that I've been preaching after living such a, a wretched life. And uh, I don't have an IRA. I don't have a 401k. I'm not bragging or complaining. I haven't days going by made above average money. I mean, $1,200, $1,500 a day clear is above average, is it not? And that's been a long time ago. Hey man, I built a church. I paid for the church and pioneered a church. Again, no, I keep saying that. I'm not That's bragging right. or complaining. You did. But I've put a lot into this. Not just out of my pocket, right out of my heart. I want this to go. I want my children and my grandchildren to have an experience. Amen. We've got a lot of people. And I'm not throwing stones, but Billy Graham had come to St. Louis, Missouri. Bush Stadium, where the Cardinals played baseball. He'd have people coming here by the tens of thousands. And at the end of the five-night crusade, they would brag about how many 10,000 people had made a decision. Mm -hmm. But the crime rate didn't go down. And church attendance didn't go up. All right. Because what happened had people made decisions that never got experience. All right. So they continued in their lifestyle. Yeah. I'm afraid, even among us, we got folks that make decisions. You ask them, you believe Jesus Christ, eternal Son of God? Yeah. Uh -huh. Believe He died and rose again? Yeah. 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 Believe He'll forgive your sin? Well, yeah. I had a kid one time, man said, this boy just got saved right out there in the parking lot. I was holding a revival in Toledo, Ohio. And I looked at the young man and said, you got saved out there? He said, well, yeah, I guess. And he said, yeah, he accepted Christ, didn't you, boy? He said, well, if you say so, that boy ain't going to last. He needs an experience of his own. Amen. 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 There he is. For us, Pentecostal holiness. I preached in some churches recently. Don't like to be called Pentecostal. They're holiness. Well, my son goes to holiness church. It's not Pentecostal. I am Pentecostal holiness. Trinitarian. I'm trying to think we're all right on the way. Amen. That's what I am. But I believe there is not just a report and a reality and a radical experience, but I believe in our movement we need a renewed. Yes, yes we do. How many times can you get it? All right. You can get it every time you want it. Amen. Every time you need it. Yes. Amen. I keep coming back to the well of grace. Yes. Great is the power, sweet is the taste. For every temptation and trial I face, I keep coming back to the well. Amen. Acts 2 and 4, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> Acts 4 and 31, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. I held revival a couple of years ago in California, Atwater, California. Brother Burris, we went 
I remember 10 or 12 nights, something out there, had a great revival. Services lasted till late every night. But there's a little old skinny girl there. I can't never remember her name. Anyway, she sat on the second row, took notes while I preached. As soon as all the service was called, she'd turn around there on the front row and pray. And I'm telling you, folks shouted every night. We had folks saved. We had a great revival. Last night of revival, she'd been there for two hours. She stood up. She's crying. She said, I'm not backslid. I haven't done anything wrong. But she said, I told the Lord when this revival started, I need to get it again. Oh, I need to experience it again. Yes. I'm fixing the quit. I'm not fixing to turn around. I just need to have it all over again. Would y'all pray for me? We gathered around, and uh, I see a little old girl. She's probably 20. Little skinny thing, hair down past her knees. And I'm telling you, we prayed for her in a little bit. She got it again. And all you could see was hair and elbows. I'm telling you, she danced and bucked and run and had a time and got it all over again. She's Good over Lord. Ryan Ralston's in college right now. Amen. And I'm thinking right now, right here, y'all fixing to start revival. Y'all be like that girl there and say, Lord, I ain't backslid. I ain't quit. I ain't turning around. But watch it do it again. I need a brand new, renewed experience. Stand your feet, if you will. I don't know you. I mean, you know, I know Brother Shad. I mean, I kind of sort of know you, but I come to church like this first time ever here, and I, I can't call most of you's name. I don't know your name. Most of you, I, I, I can't call your name. I don't know about your condition. I'm assuming you're saved. I'm assuming you've, you're living right, doing good. But what if coming to service like this you can't always tell by looking at folks what's going on in here. I'm wondering if somebody here needs an experience. Salvation is an experience. Amen. I believe sanctification is an experience. Yes. I believe the baptism of the Holy Ghost is an experience. Yes. I believe divine healing is an experience. Yes. And if you're here and you don't have that, the invitation is, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, See the experience? I'll give you something you've never had before. Like I told you, I felt the burden roll away. I ain't never forgot it. I never will. If you're here, you need to be saved. If you don't have the experience of salvation, let me tell you how simple this is. It is so simple that you, you do it here. We usually do it. That's the way we do it. You tell Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner. You can itemize if you want to. I don't know that you have to, but you can itemize. And if you'll ask him to forgive you, he forgives you. That is salvation. Amen. And you can feel it. Yes. You can go home rejoicing. One more thing. Said Parson Jones to Deacon Brown, those holy rollers have come to town. Now if they're as bad as what I've heard, there's something awful upon my word. I must warn my members one and all to stay away from the mission hall. So that very morning, as text he read, that Parson gave warning as he had said. He told of the dangers, both great and small, that lurked, so he said, at the mission hall. He said it's plain to both old and young that they're demon-possessed when they speak in tongues. As the deacon walked home that day, 
he pondered deeply along the way. He thought to himself, if all I've heard is right, those holy rollers must be a sight. I believe that I'll slip down and see. I'm firm of faith. They can't track me. So that very evening, he couldn't wait. He slipped away through the alley gate, keeping in the shadow of the fence and wall. He wended his way to the mission hall. And there he paused, impaled with fear and pride. But then he mounted the steps and went inside. He said to himself, I'll sit near the door and I'll slip out ere the meeting is over. And although he started again and again, he was still there when they shouted the last amen. He went the next night and then the next. He went so often, his wife grew vexed. She said to a neighbor that happened in, something or another is bothering him. Well, he prays each morning and says grace so well, and he stopped watering the milk that we sell. Those rollers or something's bothering him, but the good wife didn't have long to wait till she found what was troubling her ailing mate. For that very night, so the narrative runs, the deacon came home talking in tongues. He shouted around till his wife exclaimed, With Deacon Brown, you're dancing, I'd be ashamed. The very next morning was Sunday too, found the deacon in his old church pew. There he fidgeted around like a bashful boy as he tried to conceal his newfound joy. But ere the meeting had scarce begun, he was on his feet talking in tongues. An exploding bomb, so witnesses say, would have caused less confusion there that day. For with great bated breath and a frightened look, that church assembly said, horse struck. Said Parson Jones to Deacon Brown, you're out of order, sit down, sit down. Yes, out of order all the while, I vow, but I've got fixed up and I'm all right now. So come from among them, I heard him say, as he passed outside and went his way. Word soon spread, told by both old and young, that Deacon Brown was talking in tongues. But in spite of doubt and fear of all, those church folks went to that mission hall, and many of them who for day to day went with scoffing lips but remained to pray, Many of them are now spirit free, all because Deacon Brown said, I'll go and see. Would you like to come and see? Everybody will find your place in this altar. If you're here and you're not saved, if you're not saved, come while the crowd comes. Find your place here and ask God to save your soul. Ask Jesus Christ to give you an experience of salvation. So simple, so free for everybody. For everybody. Whosoever will. Let him come, take of the water of life freely. Whosoever will, let him come, take of the water of life freely. He wants you to have an experience of salvation. He wants to wash your sin away. Call on him. Call on him. The Bible said he understands our thoughts afar off. He can read your mind. He knows what you're thinking when you call on him from your heart. Ask the Lord to save you. Ask the Lord to save you.